This episode is brought to you by the Worth Your Time podcast, where your host, that's me, Erica Anderson, brings you unique and interesting conversations with Christian women working in the intersection of faith, politics, and culture. See you there. This is Troy and Joel, and you are listening to Revived Thoughts. This assurance, this reliance on God's word, this confidence is faith. Every episode, we bring you a different voice from history and a sermon that they delivered. This episode's sermon is Real Faith by George Mueller. It was delivered around the 1890s in England. Imagine for a moment that you are at the bedside of a very famous person in history. And imagine they are very wealthy. Maybe they're a business tycoon like Rockefeller, or they're a creative genius like Walt Disney or Steve Jobs. And imagine this person's on their deathbed and they they tell you, hey, I had a secret. I had an algorithm or I had some thing that if everyone else knew about this, they could be just as successful and they could be just as wealthy or whatever it is as I was. They could make just as good of art as me. They just needed to know this secret. And I'm going to tell you what that secret is. And now let's step back and instead of a business person, maybe they're a person in the church, maybe they're John Piper, maybe they're Francis Chan, John MacArthur, whoever you would consider a Christian giant, maybe someone you look up to in the faith, let's just, they're sitting there and they're saying, this is, this is it. This is what I did. Here's the secret. And this is what happens in the sermon by George Mueller. Yeah. George Mueller. It might not be a name that everyone has heard of, but it probably should be. Uh, He was born in Germany in 1805, but he did most of his ministry in Britain. By the time he dies in 1898, he has, you know, when you're looking at it from a pure numbers point of view, one of the most successful ministries of all time. If you have heard of George Mueller, you probably associate him with orphanages. Um, That's definitely what he's known the most for, but he did so much more than that. He was an avid missionary. He spread the gospel in over 42 countries, um, but his claim to fame is definitely his orphanages and the way he approached orphanages. When he arrives in Britain in the early 1800s, Britain only has 3,500 orphans on record that are being cared for. Yeah, Joel, Britain has about 16 million people between England and Wales in 1841. Uh, This is during the Industrial Revolution. Uh, This is a time that's really hard for those who would be in the lower classes. This is a tough time for people who would be considered poorer. And the, the lifespan of these people is going to be shorter. They're not going to live quite as long as other people. It's going to be a very challenging time of life. And so to imagine that out of these 16 million, there's only 3,500 of these kids in orphanages tells you what a tiny fraction, what a, what a really small number of people were in orphanages and how many more needed to be there, how many more were being forgotten by the system. Yeah, but by the time Mueller is done in Britain, there's over 10,000 orphans that are being cared for. Um, Like I said, his work really did change the world and how society uh, approaches orphans and orphanages. 10,000 people, it's such a big number that, you know, picturing in my head, it's hard to do. I mean, it's a small town. This is a 
huge a number of people for just one person to genuinely change and affect. You know, this person changes the course of this kid's education. This person changes the course and trajectory of this kid's life, whether this person, you know, would grow up to go to jail or go on to get a job, whether this kid went on to have a family and a normal life, whether this kid went on to go to church. All of these things is truly and deeply influenced by George Mueller taking these 10,000 orphan and orphans into his orphanages. And remember, this is a time when children aren't really looked at as well. This is kind of the Charles Dickens, you know, please, sir, can I have some more era? And children are not always looked at as that great. And yet, and yet George Mueller looked around all the problems of the world and said, no, I see only 3,500 kids in the orphanages. This is crazy. We need to build orphanages. And by the time he's done, he does 10,000. And his secret that secret that we talked about earlier, what was going on, and what he believed having real faith was, was just praying and believing that what you prayed would happen. What really makes Mueller famous, what he becomes known for, is in all this stuff that he does, so these 10,000 kids, these orphanages, all the things he does in ministry, he would at some point go on to be a missionary, he would preach many, many times, and all this stuff that he ends up doing in his life, though, he does not ask for money. He never takes a salary, he never raises a donate-a-thon, he never does any kind of fundraising. All of it is done by people bringing him money because they feel, as he says, led by God to do so. And whenever he had a need, he would just get on his knees and he would pray. And that money would come in. Yeah, if you really sit down and spend time looking into his life, uh, you see instance after instance, time after time, story after story of these interactions he had with other people and with his orphans. He's a man that you can very clearly see his living by example when it comes to having complete faith in God. Um, there's this one story in particular of uh, these children. He was at an orphanage that had 300 children in it, and due to a variety of circumstances, the orphanage was, was out of food. Uh, and these kids are getting ready for their day, getting ready for their school, and the head of the orphanage goes to George Mueller and says, hey, we, we, we don't have any food today. Um, and George Mueller asked the head of the orphanage, to go ahead and, and sit the children in the dining room, as if they were going to have breakfast that morning anyway. Get them all ready. He even, he even said grace. He even thanked God for the food uh, because he had that, that faith. He was, he was confident that the Lord was going to provide somehow. He didn't, he didn't know how, but he was confident that the Lord was going to provide something. I um, mean, within moments, someone knocks on the door, and there's a milkman who says his milk cart had broken down out front of the orphanage, and it was going to spoil by the time you can get it repaired. And so he, he was giving it away. He says, do you, you have use for this? Do you have anyone that could use that? Um, and then moments after that, there was a baker who came to the door and said, hey, I, last night I couldn't sleep, and I felt like the Lord was asking me to, to get up and, and bake bread for you guys. I baked three batches of extra bread for you guys. And when they got all the food and all the milk in there, it was just enough to feed all 300 children. Um, and again, there's there's instances after instances of stories just like this. Um, and to look at George Mueller, his mind's not blown when when that happens. Like that's normal. Like that's that's what he expects to happen. That's that's him relying on the Lord to provide. Uh, and I feel like that is such a hard concept for us as Americans in particular to kind of wrap our head around. Yeah, and I don't want to get hung up on money, but at one point, 
he says that he prays, I mean, over, through the course of his life, a million dollars. And we're talking a million dollars in the 1800s. We're talking about a million dollars now. He says he saw a million dollars flow through his ministry over the course of his life through praying, never asking for a dollar. But let's not pretend that George Mueller only had accomplishments and great moments in his life. He, he was no stranger to hardship. His wife died when he was young. He gets married again, but before he dies, she will die too. He, he had two children that were born as stillborns. He had one child that died at around the age of one, and his oldest daughter would live to be 57 before she would pass too. At the end of his life, I mean, those last few years of his life, he is truly alone. His wives are gone. Uh, two wives that he had at separate times. His wives are gone. He, his children have died and passed on, and he's all alone. And that's the era when he's preaching. That's the part of his life when he's preaching this sermon. And yet he's talking about his joy in God, how God is a God who answers prayers, how God is a real God who takes care of his faith, who never lets him down. And that's after he's gone through all of this with his family. He, his faith just is not shaken by any of it. Yeah, when it came to the end of his life, he said, I have been able every day and all the day to work, and that with ease as 70 years since. When the day came that he died, tens of thousands of people came and stood along the route of his procession. Uh, men left their works and offices, and women left their homes and kitchens. They all came out to pay their last token of respect to George Mueller. Uh, to quote an orphan boy that was there that day, he said, I have lost a father for the second time. In this sermon, George Mueller explains to us how you can have that kind of faith. He's begging you to have it. He wants you to have the kind of faith that he has. He wants you to know God and know that God answers prayers the same way he does. This man who in his personal life, he weathered the loss of many loved ones. In his ministry, he is a giant who never falters in his faith and has seen the world literally changed by it. And this guy is giving you in this sermon that secret. The text I'd like to share with you today it comes from Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 where it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. First of all, I'd like to consider what is faith. In the simplest manner in which I am able to express it, I answer, faith is the assurance that the thing which God has said in his word is true, and that God will act according to what he has, has said in his word. This assurance, this reliance on God's word, this confidence is faith. No impressions are to be taken in connection with faith. Impressions have neither one thing nor the other to do with faith. Faith has to do with the word of God. It is not impressions, strong or weak, which will make any difference. We have to do with the written word and not ourselves or our impressions. Probabilities are not to be taken into account. Many people are willing to believe regarding those things that seem probable to them. Faith has nothing to do with probabilities. The province of faith begins where probabilities cease, and sight and sense fail. A great many of God's children are cast down and lament their want of faith. They write to me and say that they have no impressions, 
no feeling. They see no probability that the thing they wish will come to pass. Appearances are not to be taken into account. The question is whether God has spoken it in his word. And now, beloved Christian friends, you are in great need to ask yourselves whether you are in the habit of thus confiding in your inmost soul in what God has said, and whether you are in earnest in seeking to find the thing you want is in accordance with what he has said in his word. Second, I'd like to consider how faith may be increased. God delights to increase the faith of his children. Our faith, which is feeble at first, is developed and strengthened more and more by us. We ought, instead of wanting no trials before victory, no exercise for patience, to be willing to take them from God's hand as a means. I say, and say it deliberately, trials, obstacles, difficulties, and sometimes defeats are the very food of faith. I get letters from so many of God's dear children who say, Dear Brother Mueller, I'm writing this because I am so weak in faith. Just so surely as we ask to have our faith strengthened, we must feel a willingness to take from God's hand the means for strengthening it. We must allow him to educate us through trials and bereavements and troubles. It is through trials that faith is exercised and developed more and more. God affectionately permits difficulties, that he may develop unceasingly that which he is willing to do for us. And to this end, we should not shrink. But if he gives us sorrow and hindrances and losses and afflictions, we should take them out of his hands as evidences of his love and care for us in developing more and more that faith which he is seeking to strengthen in us. The church of God is not aroused to see God as the beautiful and lovable one he is, and hence the littleness of blessedness. O beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, seek to learn for yourselves, for I cannot tell you the blessedness. In the darkest moments I am able to confide in him, for I know what a beautiful and kind and lovable being he is. And, if it be the will of God to put us in the furnace, let him do it, that so we may acquaint ourselves with him as he will reveal himself, and that we may know him better. We come to then to the conclusion that God is a lovable being, and we are satisfied with him and say, it is my father, let him do as he pleases. When I first began to allow God to deal with me, relying on him, taking him at his word, and set out 50 years ago simply relying on him for myself, family, taxes, traveling expenses, and every other need, I rested on the simple promises I found in the sixth chapter of Matthew. Read Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 carefully. I believed the word, I rested on it, and practiced it. I took God at his word. A stranger, a foreigner in England, I knew seven languages and might have used them perhaps as a means of remunerative employment. But I had consecrated myself to labor for the Lord. I put my reliance in the God who has promised, and he acted according to his word. I've lacked nothing. Nothing. I have had my trials, my difficulties, and my purse empty. 
but my receipts have aggregated thousands of dollars while the work has gone on these 51 years. Then, with regard to my pastoral work, for the past 51 years, I have had great difficulties, great trials and perplexities. There will always be difficulties, always trials. But God has sustained me under them and delivered me out of them, and the work has gone on. Now, this is not, as some have said, because I am a man of great mental power or endowed with energy and perseverance. These are not the reasons. It is because I have confided in God, because I have sought God, and he has cared for the institution which, under his direction, has 100 schools with masters and mistresses and other departments which I have told you before. I do not carry the burden, and now in my 67th year, I have physical strength and mental vigor for as much work as when I was a young man in the university studying and preparing Latin orations. I am just as vigorous as at that time. How comes this? Because in the last half century of labor, I've been able, with the simplicity of a child, to rely upon God. I have had my trials, but I have laid hold upon God, and so it has come to pass that I have been sustained. It is not only permission, but positive command that he gives to cast the burdens upon him. Oh, let us do it. My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Day by day I do it. This morning, sixty matters in connection with the church of which I am pastor, I brought before the Lord, and thus it is. Day by day I do it, and year by year, ten years, thirty years, forty years. Do not, however, expect to obtain full faith at once. All such things as jumping into full exercise of faith in such things I discountenance. I do not believe in it. I do not believe in it. I do not believe in it. And I wish you plainly to understand I do not believe in it. All such things go on in a natural way. The little I did obtain, I did not obtain all at once. All this I say particularly because letters come to me full of questions from those who seek to have their faith strengthened. Begin over again, staying your soul on the word of God, and you will have an increase of your faith as you exercise it. One thing more. Some say, oh, I shall never have the gift of faith Mr. Mueller has got. This is a mistake. It is the greatest error. There is not a particle of truth in it. My faith is the same kind of faith that all of God's children have had. It is the same kind that Simon Peter had, and all Christians may obtain the like faith. My faith is their faith, though there may be more of it because my faith has been a little more developed by exercise than theirs. But their faith is precisely the faith I exercise, only with regard to degree, Mine may be more strongly exercised. Now, my beloved brothers and sisters, begin in a little way. At first, I was able to trust the Lord for $10, then for $100, then for $1,000, and now, with the greatest ease, I could trust him for a million dollars if there was occasion. But first, I should quietly, carefully, 
deliberately examine and see whether what I was trusting for was something in accordance with his promises in his written word. I close with 2 Corinthians 6.1 as laborers together with him. The first thing that really stands out to me is that when he talks about God and his faithfulness and how he, he wants to live a life of faith, he gets started on this journey of kind of looking at the world differently. He goes to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. And that's where Jesus is doing the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking about how, you know, the birds of the sky, God sees them, feeds them, how you don't need to worry about what you wear because the, the flowers are dressed so beautifully and the hairs on your head are counted. This is an amazing part of scripture because I know mentally and I feel like theoretically I go, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. God really does take care of us. We don't need to worry. But the second I am placed in a position where my food or my clothes or my life and the things I care about are in in any way threatened, I do not feel like I live that verse out at all. I don't go, oh, don't worry. God cares about the birds. I'm like, ah, what about me? What about me? Oh gosh, this is a big situation. I need to, I, I do pray about it, but I don't pray with that kind of earnest faithfulness of like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. The birds are fed, right? But George Mueller does, and he really takes God seriously. And every time there was a need in his life, just pray, money comes in, it just works. And it, he makes it look so easy. And it's just, it's just really incredible. I, I, it isn't, I, faith like that, it seems otherworldly. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the thing that sticks out to me as well, is it's just how, how hardcore he is and devoted to his faith. Um, I, you know, I mentioned how, like, I feel like as Americans, we kind of get spoiled because compared to a lot of the world we're we're pretty wealthy we can we can provide for ourselves okay we can the the vast majority of americans can put food on the table um and i feel like when we do that a lot we get we're more inclined to be more material we're more inclined to be kind of more uh self-dependent that that we can provide for ourselves um and to look at george Mueller, um just surrender everything all all of all of the money, all of the the needs that he has to God and watch God provide for it um, is really humbling and convicting for me. Yeah, and the other thing too that stands out to me is we've we've used this talk of like, oh, what if he was a you know a businessman or a tycoon or a creative or whatever? He's this genius, right? He's giving you his secret, or he's a you know a famous pastor or something. He's giving you the secret, right? But usually when you hear someone great talk, someone great by human standards, they tend to talk about themselves and what they did different. They'll say things like, oh, I, I worked really hard or, oh, I just I thought of things differently. I had the secret way. And they'll give you that, you know, that thought way or, you know, or maybe they'll say, oh, I was just born in a really privileged and lucky circumstances. And, you know, all these things were handed to me. You know, maybe they'll be a little more humble, but they'll still point to something in their life that made them special. And. And George Mueller doesn't do that to me. He just goes, oh, all I did was pray and believe in the Bible. And not only do I pray and believe in the Bible, but you can too. Why don't you join me in praying and believing the Bible? And then you too will also have the same kind of faith. And it's just incredible because he's this man that in my mind is larger than life, did these huge things in ministry. But instead of bragging or lording it over us and being like, here's my great secret. Here's what I did. Here's how I'm special. He's saying, no, 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 you can be special too. Imagine what you could do if you, you just need to do this as well. Just believe in the Bible and be faithful. He's like, you do that and you're going to have the same kind of life that I lived. That's amazing. So much humility. It, it, it just blows me away. 
Thank you for listening to Revived Thoughts. Today's sermon was narrated by Jeffrey Bunger. If you enjoyed this episode about George Mueller, please visit our website, revivedthoughts.com. There you will find a transcript to this episode and the full sermon in its original and modernized versions. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone you think may need to hear it. And a five-star rating on iTunes goes a long way, really helps us out, or whatever you're listening to us on. And please subscribe for more episodes. There will be many more to come. This is Troy and Joel, and this is Revive Thoughts. This episode is brought to you by the Worth Your Time podcast, where you'll hear from Christian female entrepreneurs, politicians, ministry leaders, authors, athletes, CEOs, and more. I'm Erica Anderson, mom of two, writer, and host and creator of Worth Your Time. I created this podcast because I wanted to hear from more women like me who were interested in the intersection of faith, politics, and culture. How do we navigate the choppy waters of partisan politics? How do we engage with culture honorably as Christian professionals? I know you don't have a lot of time, and that's why I make every second worth it on this show. You'll hear from women that aren't on every other Christian podcast, and we get really real, because I don't know how to function any other way. Episodes drop every other Tuesday. Hope to see you there.